Laura, welcome to episode 76 of the John Corby podcast. 76, bloody hell. 76, 76 that's 13. Well, that adds up to four. Numerology, that's quite a good number. Is that a good number? Is it good? Good. Are you into numerology? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yes, I do like my numbers. Good. What's yours? What my, my overall number, life path number, is nine. Oh, right. okay. I which think is if you add all. Yeah, add all of the digits together and sort of bring them down and bring them down and nine. So that's oh. that's a good one. That means we highly evolved. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's true. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, very much yeah, so. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> so, Laura Billingham, so you run a content writing business. I do. Yes. From, from your wonderful things. home in Fulu. How, how do you pronounce it? Fulu. 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 Yeah. Fulu. So which basically, is yeah. Which is in the Peak It's District. a little village. Yeah. You've heard of Eam, the plague mm. village. Everybody's mm. heard of Eam. Yeah. We actually fall under kind of the jurisdiction of Eam, so I'm about five minutes away from Eam. Got you. It's, it's a nice little spot to be in. We've it got does. a pub and yep. a church. That's Perfect. It. Absolutely. Are you religious? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. So you don't need the church, as long as there's a pub. I'm, spirit I'm spiritual. <laughs> I love it. Good stuff. So, so I've got here, Laura, that you, you've always had a very vivid imagination. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Which, which yeah. you didn't really get to use until quite recently. I guess as a kid, I'd always used it because I used to write poems and stories as a kid. And mm. I'd, I'd have make-believe friends. And I'd got two younger sisters. And we used to play all sorts of, you know, imaginary games. As that's something you don't seem to see kids doing these days, but we would we, we, we would act roles out, you know, and we'd, we'd pretend to be queens and princesses and, you sure, know, what, did, what have you. So, yeah, we, I did a lot of that. I did a lot of, of writing short stories and poems and stuff through, throughout school. Sure. But, yeah, in terms of, of actually utilising the skill to make a living out of, that was only... Yeah, a couple of years ago, couple probably. Years ago. There'd always been elements of doing it in jobs. Sure. So writing briefs and submissions and, and what have you. And okay. even job description, you know, you can be quite um, inventive in job descriptions. So, yeah, there was lots of ways that I used it, but not in the way that I do now. No. Yeah. Why, why do you think we as adults stop using it? Is it, is it school? Has it come after school? Is it yeah. education? Yeah. It's education, it's definitely. I mean, I can, it's funny because I've had this conversation at Destination Depot this morning with yeah. a lady from Barnsley College um, who was very much into to drama sure. and theatrical kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And she had that knocked out of her at school. You know, she was basically told, you'll never make a living out doing that. You can't do that. You have to do the science, the maths and get a yeah. proper job, which is yeah. exactly the same. the same as I was told. Of course. But she's 30 years younger than me. So yes. it just goes, it's not changed in 30 years. It's not, it's not 20, 25, let's 20, be generous yeah. there. You're, round, you're rounding it's up, aren't you? You're rounding up. I'm, round, yeah, well, I'm rounded down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's not changed in all that time. And I think that's really sad because there is a place for creativity in, in all of us. In our lives. And I think, well, yeah. And I think, well, like that. <laughs> I think when we lose it, that's when things start to go tits up because mm. you become too rigid in your views and your outlooks and too dogmatic. Whereas if you've got a bit of imagination and you're using your imagination, you can see different outcomes. Of course, of course. I, I always remember, just going on a little bit of a segue here, but I, I remember playing as children and um, I remember at the top of our garden, 
the uh, my dad had built a, a big shed. And so we've got every single tool you can probably imagine in this shed. So it was like a workshop in itself. And I yeah. remember we were playing Thundercats, if you, I don't know if you remember the Thundercats. Oh, God, cartoon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like and, a legend and, of grace to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that were He-Man. Oh, the, He-Man, the, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, other one. So they, they've got this big garden fork at the top of the garden. <laughs> and I, I can't remember what I shouted, but I ended up throwing this garden fork down the garden at the enemies. And it went straight through the foot. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Oh no. Yeah. But, but you're right though. I mean, like, we, we do play as children and, and mm. it's a shame that we stop playing. I think some adults still continue to play, don't they? Some, some yeah. they embrace it and they follow through on it. And, and, yeah. and, and I think that that, that kind of had a bit of a rebirth maybe 15, 20 years ago when they started doing all this, they call it larking, don't they? Is it larking? LARPing. LARPing, Live action role play. Yes, LARPing, sorry, yeah. And I think it's incredible. How how cool. Yeah, I mean, I have have mixed feelings about that because my other half is or was a Viking reenactor. Oh, no way. But they use proper tools, proper swords, proper, I mean, obviously blunted and the proper uniforms and stuff. And they get very dismissive of, of LARPers because LARPers will use wooden or plastic or whatever oh, really? for, for really? the reenactments. Yeah. So I have kind of like, I can see the, you know, the fun in it. Sure. I'm sure. not sure it's something that I want to do. No, I, I, mean, um, I, I agree. I mean, but, I, I, I don't think it's something that I would do myself. No. Um, but, well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? I mean, well, I, it's different, I, isn't it? And it Go on, sorry. No, no, so I was just going to say, I, was, I, I wanted to be an actor as, as a child. All, all through my did childhood, you? my goal was I wanted to be an actor. And I did drama GCSE. Wow. Did drama GCSE. I did a few auditions for TV. And then, mm-hmm. and then I, I don't know what, I, well, in fact, I do know what happened. I got a job and I, I dropped out of school. And yeah. then I got I married and had a couple of yeah. children. But I have done four films. I've been in four films. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. So um, it's not glitz and glam. Kind of what extra type thing? Um, as an yeah, extra. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking there were, there, No speaking parts as well. Some some parts was um, well. Obviously, I had a, a, a bigger role than others, but um, I got paid for one of the parts as well, which is always a bonus. Bonus. <laughs> um, but but it, it's it's hard work. You know, there's a lot of sitting around doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. I bet it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get into doing radio stuff. I've got. I'm on uh, Radio Sheffield again this Friday afternoon. Oh really? And I did what? a session just before Christmas. What are you discussing? I don't know. It's like an open session on Friday. Yeah. When I was on the last time, it was Roni Robinson's. You know, he does that quick fire thing. What do sure. you call it? Whatever it is, and you're on for about half, half an hour, forty five minutes, just chatting. Just right. Okay. Um, so yeah. I quite enjoy doing things like that. I that think I am an introvert, but I'm an extrovert, in, extroverted introvert, if that makes mm. sense. That makes all sense. So I, You're I can do all, yeah, ambi- I can do all of this middle. talking to people, yeah, and, and going and doing networking and really enjoy it. But then I come away and I have to go, right, quiet time now, back to me time. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. They, they've, they've created a new, like, segue for it now. So there's a, there's a section that sits right in the middle, which is called an ambivert. So it means that you are both, yeah. So you can be very, you can you can be an extrovert when you're in an environment that you control or you feel comfortable or you're confident. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you're in that situation where you're not, you obviously 
and sometimes you just don't want you just don't want to be bothered. You want to be just you want to you want to be yourself. Yeah. yeah, you want to be on your own. So yeah. I think it's it's good. So I mean, it's it, what I've got from the information is is that you was always or you always had a vivid imagination, but unfortunately, um, you was also considered quite bright. Yeah. <laughs> at school, and so you were persuaded <laughs> to to venture into. Um, academic and science subjects instead of being allowed mm -hmm. to focus mm -hmm. on your creativity. Yeah. 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 I, I did that yeah, it was very much um, a bit like I've been put in a box, to be honest, yeah. John. Yeah. And it was a box that took me a long, long time to escape from. Yeah. Um, it's, it kind of resulted in one of the subjects that I kind of had my arm twisted right at my back and told that I had to do was additional pure and applied mathematics. Okay. And you know what? Flipping hated it. I absolutely hated it. It made no sense to me. Numbers make sense to me. Sure. But applied in pure mathematics is all to do, it's all linked in with physics and I wasn't doing physics. So it didn't make any sense. So I think probably the first time in my life I really rebelled with that. And although I turned up to all the lessons, I didn't do any work. Sure. When it got to doing the O level, which it was back then, I literally sat down, wrote my name on the piece of paper, and then put, I hate this subject, oh, and handed it back in. <laughs> so I got my own classified, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but with, with everything else, I, I kind of passed everything. But the only subject that I really, really excelled in was, as you would expect, was English. Uh -huh. When yes. I got an A, and when I went back to get my results, my English teacher actually stopped me and said I'd got the second highest grade in the whole of, I think whichever the exam region was at that time, because we sure. used to have exam names like Wild Reb and yeah. West Lindsay, whatever. But so it was the second highest recorded score in English. And it was like, you see, told you that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. But then when it came to, to picking A-levels, because it was always assumed I'd do A-levels, I said I wanted to do needlework design, mm -hmm. because that's the creative side, sure. chemistry, and English language. Now, the needlework design and the chemistry, because I toyed with the idea of being a, a textile designer. Right. And if you're dealing with textiles and and, and sort of chemical and, and colours, you've got chemicals. So to me, the two, the design and the chemistry made perfect sense. And the English was because I loved it. Cool. And the school kind of said, "We well, can't do that. That's just such a stupid mixture." And I thought, "You then." Uh, I went off to Stannington College as well, was and did business studies. Got you. Got you. Which was really really easy so what what age would you have been uh, what you've been like 16 16 that yeah. was 16 so yeah 16 going from 16 you kind of you your a level mm -hmm. choice isn't it yeah and then you'd have two years a level and then, then uni and because i was so pissed off with with the way that school just seemed to want to shut me down i never went and did uni and if i have any regrets and to be honest i don't i have a very small tinge of regret that i didn't oh. do university but okay. it's a tiny little yeah. regret yeah. Because I did end up working at Sheffield University for six years. For six years? Seven years, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, in the travel office there. So I got to travel a lot. Yeah. I got to live a student lifestyle uh -huh. with lots of student friends, but uh -huh. I got paid to do it. <laughs> That's even better. Win-win. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Yeah. Win-win. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So in terms of like the, the, the business administration then, so you went and did that at college. Yeah, and then you, you, yeah. it says from from um, from there, you, you basically spent pretty much most of your life in admin and management roles up until two thousand and fifteen. That's yeah. that's a that's a long time to be 
tied down Doing into something you don't like that you don't really mm. like yeah but you can, it's like you said i got settled down and i had two kids and we've got the mortgage to pay <clears> and then <throat> we separated in 2001 so then i was a single mom so oh. i still had to you know so it was a case of what would pay the bills not necessarily what made my heart sing sure sure Life's a bitch and then you die <laughs> why why do you i mean this is this is really fascinating because one of the things that I, I started to talk about this a bit more last year and I wanted to, I'm going to start talking more about it this year as well is how many people get anchored down to in a job that they hate because they need the money to pay for a car and a house and a lifestyle that's yeah. not making them happy. Yeah. yeah. Rather yeah. than, you know, if you could make 10, 12,000, maybe 15,000 pounds a year doing something that fills you with joy every single day, but you live in mm. a flat above a chip shop and, you're happy with that because every day brings you joy. I mean, there's, there's some major yeah, lessons. No, I I'm, I'm, absolutely. And to be honest, that's kind of where I am now. Mm. I'm earning probably half of what, less than half of what I was earning in my last full-time <coughs> employed job. Um, I don't own a house anymore because in, in a subsequent remarriage and divorce, kind of but the property that we'd built up together then was sold and there wasn't sure. enough to to buy another one and sure. so i now live in a rented property so no ties of property yeah. it's relatively cheap because we've just moved we've downsized sure. i'm in a part of the world that i really love and it's beautiful and it's isolated and i can walk out my front door and around the corner and i've got this massive vista of just open fields yeah and um, a pub yeah. let's not forget the pub and a pub, <laughs> and a pub yeah although i'm, I'm half trialing dry january at the minute yeah, how successful that is probably won't be um but so, so yeah from that perspective i've really reined back and i i can now get by on very little compared yeah. to what i used to think sure. i needed to get by on sure. my car's 10 years old I don't, yeah as i say didn't I don't own a house i earn a lot less but i choose my own hours effectively within reason can choose my own clients and the type of work that i want to do of course and it is it's very freeing it's much better than being on that treadmill and knowing that at five o'clock every morning you're going to be waking up thinking shit i've got to go to the yeah. office today yeah yeah, yeah. my and office is just down the corridor <laughs> and there's a lot of people what's like that there really is a lot of people what's mm. like that that it's sad i think it's really sad i think that, that it is sad it but it's it's a society thing that we have that we've been We've been trapped into trying to keep up with the Joneses, as they say, so that you yeah. get a new car, yeah. they get a new car, they buy a bigger house, you buy a bigger house, and then all of a sudden you need that 50, 60 grand a year salary to pay for the car and the house. Just to keep going, yeah. And, and you've only bought it to try and impress people, probably what you don't even like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if I'm being honest, would I love a new car? Yes, I would, and I know the one I'd have. What would would it have? make me an, um, yeah. a Lexus full... Uh, sorry, it was a Lexus full hybrid. Oh, right. What, the 4x4? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you need a 4x4 up here. So I've got a 4x4. Sure. So, yeah, having a Lexus would be lovely, and I sure. really enjoy driving it. Will it change my life and make me happy? No. no. But that's something that I've grow I've come to realise. As I've got older, you don't need them. They're nice, but you don't sure. need them. Exactly. Of course, of course. When, when do you think that you kind of had that realisation? Um, because it does, I think it does come with age, doesn't it? As we get older, we, we does, definitely, definitely, definitely wiser. I think I'm becoming more, and I use the word inverted commas, more militant as I get older. Um, I mean, I did a, 
the talk that I did this talk because my well, when I stand up at Destination Depot, then they're, they're not me pitching anymore. They're me usually venting my anger at something, <laughs> and 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 it's usually along the political sphere. And I was saying this morning that 2020 needs to be the year that that we the world revises the way that it does things. We've got to stop putting profit before people. It always should be people before profit. Yeah. So the reason, the way, only way that we're going to do it at a grassroots level is to sure. stop supporting the multinationals, is to stop buying from the big supermarkets, is to stop anything that's associated with any conglomerates and sort uh-huh. of buying newspapers and stuff, and sure. actually start to to come back into ourselves, into communities. Of course. Um, so yeah, that's kind of maybe 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 that's kind of my mission for twenty twenty. I, I love it. I love it. I really do. I think that the only the, the only downside to that because I, I mean I live in a little village as well, and we're we're the same. A couple of pubs. We've got a couple of couple yeah. of green grocers. Um, local, I think we've got three butchers, all local independents. Um, yeah. And it, and it's lovely, but I think that the downside is the cost comparable is so far apart mm. that it, like. Yeah. And, and, and everything just, it comes down, it's like, if it's a few pounds, you don't mind, but it's, it's significantly more expensive buying off of your local independence than it is buying from your conglomerates. And I think that's the mm. real problem that you've got is that if you can go, yeah. you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, like, even, even but, things like, I don't know, I, I saw something the other day and I forget what it was now, but it, it was something like an electric toothbrush for, brush, for example. You could get it off Amazon, delivered the same day for like 17 pounds, mm. the, the local stores were like 28. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the tricky thing, isn't it? We, we want to support local business, but we can't always afford to do that. It's, yes, it's, um, um, the government needs to I step in, I feel. And they won't because it's a Tory government, so they're not going to step in and make prices any lower. Oh, we've gone there, haven't we? We've gone there. We've gone political. We've gone. Stop me. (laughs) But yeah, so I think it needs to be sea change in the way that people live and think and believe. And we're either going to get pushed into that because climate change is going to push us into that. Yeah. Or we're going to get pushed into that because there's going to be the shit's going to hit the fan with the Middle East, and there's going to be war, which is going to affect the price of oil, which is going to affect the wet, affect everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I, it's funny because I see it coming through. It's like we've skipped a generation. Um, I think seventies were very um, climate aware and mm-hmm. socially aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody born in the 80s is pretty screwed because we were selfish so-and-so's there and it's kind of spread through to that generation which is kind of it's one step removed from well actually i suppose technically they could be my kids from the 80s because i was old enough in the 80s to have kids but we're now coming through to the younger ones the greta thunberg ages of sort of 15 16 who were very socially aware Mm -hmm. and very very understanding of the fact that if they don't make a difference and the change, then it's not going to happen. Sure. But there seems to be that bit in the middle that's kind of going, oh, I'm all right, Jack. Yeah, sure. Do, do you think that they're concerned over the planet or they're concerned over human extinction? Uh, well, that's a hard one. I think the two have got to go hand in hand, haven't they? I mean, my, my view <laughs> on that is the planet is going to survive no matter what we Absolutely. do. Absolutely. I agree. It's if been humanity fine. is... 
Yeah. It's been here five Life billion years. Life was out, won't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's been here five billion yeah. years. It'll outlive us. Yeah, we, we're a pimple on the surface. Of course. So we are. if, or, or as I've seen it described as, we're the fleas on the back of a dog, and if a dog shook, shook its back hard enough, the fleas would come off. Come on, if yeah. if uh, the Earth, Gaia, decided to do the same, we'd fall off, and that'd we'd be at the end of us. Or even better, an alien intervention. I'd love that <laughs> because I, I have this this and this. I'm a bit weird at times but i have this this theory that the only way that could make humanity all come together and all start to do right by each other is if there was a threat an external threat okay you know like the independence day threat where, sure sure yeah well that was um, not that was that was 9 11 wasn't it but they were internal weren't they they uh, were <laughs> but the, 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 i mean that's that's one of the conspiracies they were saying that at that time America were, were falling apart and they needed something to bring the country back together. And yeah. so that's one of the, but we, we're drifting now, aren't we? We're really drifting. End of the day, the, the robots are going to win, aren't they? Let's face it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but AI I mean, is going to win. It's funny. But AI, actually, have you ever heard, this is another one of my things, have you ever heard of the Venus Project? It's uh, kind of, maybe. It's by Jacques, Jacques Fresno, or Jacques Fresno, who's now dead. But it's a kind of a bit, if you know Star Trek, the uh -huh. kind of the, okay. the, the society where it's not ruled or governed by money because everybody's needs, basic needs are all met. Okay. So money doesn't exist per sure. se. So it's along those lines that, that there is a way of living, which is it's called um, resource-based. Right, okay. So at the minute we, we live in kind of a monetary based and yeah. an economic based uh -huh. society. A resource based society basically says there is enough for everyone if sure. it's all shared out equitably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's I kind of I would in my dreams like that to be the reality because that would then mean that people could be creative. Sure. You could spend your day drawing pictures, writing mm -hmm. books, because there are always going to be people who don't want to do that. There are always going to be the people who want to make, who want to do, who want to invent. It just means that you could be rather than do. So what's, so what's stopping people from doing that now? Is it, is it, is it their own mental prison that they've created? Yeah, but it's also, if you think about it, 99% of the world's <clears throat> wealth is owned by 1% of people. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's only getting those 1% of people to realise that they're wrong, that there could be a change. Right. And they're not going to give it up, are they? The Murdochs, the Trumps, the, the, the oligarchs. Yes, they should. Yeah. Why should they have billions in the bank if, that, if those billions aren't doing anything, if they're just sitting there as a number on a balance sheet and not create, producing or creating or, or making anybody happy? Yeah. But if they're not, uh, yeah. it, some, somebody else will, won't they? But that's why, rather than it being held at a level with just a few people, it's distributed more equitably. Mm. I mean, it's, I, 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 I must admit, I love the concept, but I struggle with it because there's always going to be those people who want more. Of there's always there going to be the people, the takers. A thirst for power human will always be there, won't they? Yeah. 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 So until there is, it's almost, I suppose, like an evolution, isn't there? Of we stop believing that money is central and things are central uh -huh. and is you know is that an evolution don't i think don't know. um i think it's it's a very interesting concept i think that i mean we're probably a long way away from that aren't we a million miles away from yeah, it unfortunately. From that. i mean once once elon 
once Elon gets up to up to Mars and he starts um, he starts mining them and them, yeah. them asteroids, he'll be he'll be the first he'll be the first trillionaire. I tell you what, John. When I was let's say twenty twenty one, saying the words twenty twenty to me, I genuinely, honestly thought I'd be living on the moon or Mars by now. I really did. Yeah, yeah. I'm quite disappointed that I'm not, and I'm living in Polo. But you know, you know do, do you know the thing that's even more disturbing by that is that, right. and I saw this the other day on Facebook. It says two thousand and fifty is just as close as nineteen ninety was away. <laughs> it's, and it's scary, just like. Isn't it? What? <laughs> yeah, how did that happen? Yeah. Oh, no. Like, my goodness. Yeah. Like, 1990 to me still feels like just a few years ago. It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But that's sort of the, the 90s when my kids were born. So, yeah. It, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. so, coming back to like the, the, the 2015 mark for you then, when, when yes. you, you decided you've had enough, you took, uh -huh. um, took redundancy, you determined to I follow did. your passion, and you decided that you're going to write a book. I mean, yeah. what, what was the pivotal moment? I mean, what forced you to make that decision? It wasn't, I wasn't forced into it at all. It was kind of like just a change in circumstances in that by that stage in 2015, because we're talking September 2015, I think, oh. me and my partner had moved in together. Got you. So I wasn't the only breadwinner anymore. And both girls had left home, so yeah. I wasn't supporting them on sure. a day-to-day -day basis anymore. Yeah. Um, but I'd also, the job I was doing, although I actually quite enjoyed it, I could see that it was beginning to change. There'd been a bunch of redundancies made in, in other departments. And a big chunk of my job at that time was dealing with the finance for the company. Okay. But they were establishing a separate finance office in Newcastle. Right. And it made no sense to me having me sitting in Sheffield trying to do something and then passing it on to Newcastle. It was kind of, it didn't feel right. Sure. And I wasn't sure what would be left of my job if the finance stuff was taken away. Now, to be fair, I didn't like the finance side. It was the side I, did, I liked the least, but it was sure. quite a chunk of the work. Sure. So I thought I can either just carry on with this well-paid job for a nice company with some nice perks, but it's not making me happy. And the other thing was the commutes. I'd gone from sort of, been in Sheffield to commute into Sheffield City Centre to being out here at the time we were in Lytton which is another couple of miles further down the road right, yeah. so I was leaving early in the morning to avoid the traffic when you got to Sheffield and then I was trying to leave sort of earlier in the afternoon to avoid coming back right. but the other half of the headquarters for the company I was working for was in San Francisco so I yeah. was in Sheffield and San Francisco is eight hours behind. So I'd be wanting to leave as San Francisco was coming online. Yeah, sure. Yeah, which meant that, you know, it just, it was either I leave and then I get home and start working again at home. It just, right, yeah. it just wasn't tenable. Sure. And it was stressing me out. And I was thinking, I'm living in this place and I'm not seeing it because of, so I just spoke to the, um, the HR people and said, look, I can see this is happening with this role. I can see that at some point you're going to say this role may be not necessary. So why don't we just bite the bullet okay. and do okay. it now? Do it now, yeah. So, yeah. And it just, it just kind of, you know, like sometimes things align, don't they? Yeah, and it course. all worked out. Of course. Um, of course. Yeah. So that, that was why. It That's wasn't just, it wasn't kind of a, <clears throat> a big kind of moment. Yeah, there was an element of pressing the fuck it button. But it was, 
it was kind of a, a slow burn over a couple of months oh, yeah. from about the April that year it was a bit of a slow burn Mm. Um, and I, I still, even now, miss some of the people that I work with in that office and I still talk to them. And yeah. I, the day that I left, I was in bits because I did, there was part of me saying, what are you stupid? It was that kind of security thing holding on to that. So this, um, this, was, this was one disco, was it? One disco, One yeah. disco, yeah. yeah. So, did, so you, got to yeah. Use this, did, you got to use the Elsa Skelter then, did you? On a daily basis. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah well, if I wanted to, I didn't. I didn't particularly want to. <laughs> it was there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, is, I mean, and they've moved yeah. now, actually. Yeah. Oh, I have the villa. Yeah, they've moved to the old co-op building. Oh, villa. Yeah, you know the one that's got commune downstairs. Yeah. You know, it's yes. kind of like, yeah, and there's I think the top floor, maybe top two floors. They've they've moved in there because ah, it's seen as being a bit cooler. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's all creative, isn't it? That's that kind of sector now. Once upon a, yes. once upon a time, a slide was. But now, well, I, I, used to, I, I used to have an office in Electric Works a good few years back. Did you? Yeah, so I, I when used to... When were you there, then? Ooh, let me think. I bet it's... I bet it's 10 years ago. So probably yeah. before my time there. Oh, yeah. yeah, probably Just as be. it first opened then, probably. But just not long after it had opened, yeah. So yeah. probably, yeah, maybe, yeah. certainly between eight and 10 years. And I'll tell you the reason mm. I came out of there, because it was costing me more in for, yeah. for the car park than it was for the office. Because the car... Mm. You the, see, I was, yeah. It's underground, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. the council yeah. charge rates on the car parking spaces. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I was very lucky because um, because of my position within the company, I got a parking space and it didn't cost me anything. Yeah, yeah. So and I'll tell you what, that was yeah. bloody handy the weekend if you wanted to go shopping because I just come back. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so 2015, <clears throat> you decided that you were going to write a book. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> you decided that you're going to you're going to write a book. Um, and you set about going, going about this. I mean, like, was the book the thing that you decided that you was going to do as the as the main thing, or was that just something that was an addition? Did you come out to do? No, no. It was it was the main thing. And I'll be honest with you, the book um, I'd actually done quite a chunk of it. In that it was kind of all scoped out. Um, there was a rough draft of some of the chapters already done before I even finished. Right. I'd been playing around with it for a couple of years. Sure. But what I, in addition to finishing that book, I also did something called NaNoWriMo, which is write a novel in a month, which runs every November. Sure. And that is, if you're ever thinking about writing a book, that is a great thing to do because it teaches you the discipline of getting 50,000 words done in right. a month. It's fantastic for yep. yeah for giving you that discipline. So I did that um, as at the same time as writing the book, which was sure. ultimately finished whenever it was finished. Um, so I did the NaNoWriMo, which kind of came up with a kernel of an idea, which will form a central part of a trilogy. Okay. At some point, um, well, I can get my brain round book one and book three. I've got the the idea of how book one and book three would be. But I've got to write. There's quite a lot of research sure. to do both of them. Sure. Um, but that's what I quite like. I like the research thing, which is why the book that I did finish and was published, actually, just almost exactly a year ago, a time for Grace was published. The central part of that was set 
in the 13th century so that was a lot of research I, I, I like the research I tend to get I'll get drawn down the rabbit hole if I'm not careful on what started right. with it oh I'll just look up that fact weekend oh and that and, ooh, and that <laughs> I can see that yeah, yeah, totally. so, yeah I'm, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a of a, of a research freak sure sure which is which is you I suppose you need that as a as a writer yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you need to have the you need to have the ideas, but if you want, if certainly if you're going to write about about history and historical wow. yes. events, you need to you know. need to make sure that you yeah yeah. So so you set on a challenge to do fifty thousand words in a month. What's that then? So that's like what fifteen hundred words a day. Yeah. It's how many pages is that? I mean, what's how many words are on a page? About one hundred fifty three hundred. No, on a, on an A four piece of paper you get about between four and five hundred what's on the book page um time a time for grace is eighty eight thousand words and it's about that thick as a book so it's not yeah it's, it's a lot of words it's not a pamphlet no yeah no, no. i'm just trying to work out how many, how many pages you'd have to write a day i mean like if you had if you had 150 words per page i don't know if that's right for a book but You'd no. be looking at, well, yeah, it might be. Like five, what's up? You're probably looking at about 10, maybe 12 pages a day. Something like that. That's, yeah. that's good going, isn't trying it? Trying to work it. So 150 times. Oh, that's there. <laughs> I'm trying to do it on my phone. Do it that way. 5123 divided by 150. Yeah, it's 333 pages if you use your. Right. 150 word, yeah. Right. So yeah, it but it's it's funny. It I mean I've always been able to work from by myself sure. and not you know and on my own. But that doing that actually was a really good grounding for the discipline that you need if you're gonna complete a novel. Of because course. the time for grace had been sitting around in various forms of manuscript since back end of twenty thirteen and I've kept Got picking that. it up and putting it back down again. Yeah. Doing the NaNoWriMo made me go, do you know what, you can do this. So I did, and I finished off A Time for Grace. And then that, to, to, so that sounds a bit daft, but when you've always had this aspiration to complete a novel, somehow completing it, it feels like, you know, even if it never got read, I'd finished, I'd done a novel. Sure. sure. Um, so I didn't really do much about it. And then by the middle of 2016, I needed to get some money and so I started doing other things. Got you. And Got it was you. a chance meeting with somebody a bit further down the line that yeah. ended up with it being published. It rebirthed it all. So did you, did you, did you self-publish then? Was it self-published or? I looked at self-publishing, but in the way that serendipity sometimes sort of takes a hand in things, I happened to meet a lady because the first business I set up when I went and set my own business, it was doing outsourced business admin because sure. again, that's what I knew. Sure. And I met her at an event and she, we were talking and she'd gone from doing just normal VA stuff to, she was getting more and more asked to proofread and to, you know, sort of to, to do layouts and things mm. for people who were self-publishing. Sure. And she thought to herself, well, there's obviously a need for this. So she actually set herself up as a micro-publisher based in Derby. Oh, right, okay. Um, and we met at an event and we were talking. I genuinely, genuinely, at that time, didn't link what she was doing with the fact that I'd done the book. Right, yeah. It just, just we were talking, you know, sometimes it, it, yeah. it didn't connect. And it was about a week later and I thought, 
you silly cow. Why didn't you mention that you'd written something? So I rang her up and she said, well, send it to me. She said, no, I'll have a look for nothing. She said, but I will tell you straight. I think it's crap. Yeah. Fine. Right. So I sent it to her. And then I didn't hear anything for about 10 days. And then I got an email. Fucking hell, I'll take this on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's do it. So normally, you see, the way that she, her kind of normal system was, people paid her to do the proofreading, the editing, the laying out, and they're yeah. getting it online and published kind of thing. Um, so they paid to do it. So I got mine done for free. She, oh, yeah. she did, took it on as a full service publishing thing because Good. she reckoned she'd get her money back doing it. Right. And whether she has or not, I don't know. Because I am, I think I'm one of those people, when I finish something, I can just put it behind me and right. move on. Sure. So finish, done, move on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's got 10 plus reviews on, on Amazon, four sure. and five star and lots sure. of nice things about it. So, yeah, that's sure. kind of like, it's a nice little sure. warm feeling inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. It and they enjoy what, it. But. What was the biggest challenge for you writing the book? um finishing it finishing the book the, temp the temptation as, as a writer and a creative is to keep tweaking <laughs> yeah and i think in these days of self-publishing mm -hmm. it's very easy for people to keep thinking it's not done yet right. I'll just change that yeah that's not right yeah whereas in the traditional days when when you'd you'd have a manuscript and you'd hand it in sure. and your editor might say you need to change this <sighs> yeah Nowadays, you kind of you keep it with you all the time. So the temptation to think, I don't like that bit. I'll change. So you read something and go, Oh, I changed that. Yeah. So that was it. That, deciding when it was done, I suppose, was the biggest thing. What What's the best advice you'd give to somebody thinking about writing? Just do it. Don't think about it. Really, don't think about it. Just. I still do it now when I'm writing. Now I quite often have a, a germ, a kernel of an idea, and I just sit at the keyboard. Mm -hmm. and whatever comes out and it's kind of maybe your first three pages will be utter shite or your first three paragraphs will be shite but you're going and you're in the flow sure and, and then you go back and you, you let it the first bit but yeah just do it don't be afraid what's the worst that can happen that's all i'm saying what's the worst that can happen definitely so no that's really good so you said you said that you'd gone into setting up an outsourced admin business Mm. Um, because it's what you always did. And, and unfortunately, that didn't work out, did it? No, well, it's kind of like, when I look back now, I think, what was I thinking about? I didn't like that stuff before. Sure. Why would I set up my, a business doing what, that? What, I mean, what, yes, I do it. I'm good at it, but I don't like it. What, what failed about it? Like, what did you learn from that? Uh, what is, it? Is, it, is it that Einstein says if you keep uh, repeating the same same things expect the same well, results it, and it, yeah. it was yeah. yeah something like that isn't it so it was, it was basically it's his version of insanity isn't it doing the same thing and it, a yeah. Different result. Yeah. yeah so yeah what why why did i expect that basically doing exactly the same stuff that i've been involved in for 20 years was going to be better just because i was doing it for myself right. it right. wasn't it still drove me bloody insane but you got the added um stress and you were having to find clients to drive you insane. Yes, yes, yes. What's, um, what were the hardest part about it? I think for me, the selling side of it, I think if you don't genuinely, well, for me anyway, if you don't genuinely, genuinely, I can't even say it, genuinely believe in the product and the service that you're offering for whatever reason, 100%. it can be very difficult to go out and persuade other people 100%. to believe in it. 
the first sale's got to be to yourself. Yes. Yeah, and I wasn't completely bought into the idea. It was something I was doing because I knew I could do it. Right, right. Whereas what I'm doing now, yeah, there there are issues and I'm still selling, but I'm selling me. And that's very different because I'm selling me and what I can do for someone. Mm. But they're buying me first and foremost. Right. So if they want someone to tell it like, like it is, but to tell it using their tone of voice, because that's what I like to think is my skill is that I can read people. And before I take on a writing client, I, I do effectively what we're doing now. And we have sure. a long talk. Sure. And I get to know people's phrasings and what they're passionate about. And, yes. that, and that's what I will then put into the work that I produce for them. Sure. That makes total sense. That's just, that, yeah, makes total sense. So mm. in, in terms of the, because uh, I, I think that, I think that failing in business is massively valuable. I think that this, I, like you learn so much from the fact you learn not you, you learn very little from winning like if you just won yeah. everything that you did you'd learn nothing from that yeah so yeah. I, I you'd just that, sail through life wouldn't you yeah of course of course and i think so i think that the failure is so vital for showing us mm. where we need to improve i think it's massively important um Definitely. so so like from that what would be your best advice for somebody that's looking at going into business for themselves and now that you've gone into business once through something that you knew and it didn't quite work out but now you've gone into business again with something that you're incredibly passionate about and it, and it's working for you like what advice would you give somebody coming into business <clears throat> by all means pick something that you are good at doing but if you don't also enjoy it be prepared not to enjoy your business right and if it is your own business and you're not passionate about it, it's just going to be work. If you have a passion about your business, you'll never feel like you're working. You sure. feel like you've got a hobby. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting paid for it sometimes. Sure. How, how, do you, how do you manage to control it to a degree that that hobby then doesn't become a burden? Yeah, that, 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 is, that can be an issue. And I think... Because I've kind of split myself, if you like. So I have the work that I do for clients, which is very fact-based uh, and genuinely involves um, perhaps researching what they're doing, looking at backlinks, um, uh, you know, genuinely quite fact-based. I mean, one of the ones I've done recently has been about personality profile. I've done lots of stuff about sales, um, lots of stuff about the financial sector. So it's all sure. quite dry, fact-based stuff. But then I have the release of, I'll just write a short story for myself, or I'll work on doing one of the three or four novels that I'm working on, do little oh, yeah. bits, so that I've got the work side is very distinct from the passion side, oh, yeah. if that oh, makes yeah. sense. Sure. How, how do you discipline yourself to be able to flip between the two? Depends on the volume of work. If I've got paid work, that will always take priority. How, how do but you I do have... How do you discipline yourself to do the priority work, though? Because... As a creative, I mean, the amount of people that I know that, that, that I know incredibly well who are mm -hmm. very creative um, and they're, they're, they're very good at doing the work as well, mm -hmm. but they'll often do the creative at their own detriment to the work. Yeah, I'm probably the other way around. And I think that's the way I was brought up. Um, I'm, I'm particularly being a single mum is, 
it's, I've got to get sure. the money in until the yes. money comes in first. Sure. But I'm also quite disciplined in that I have um, a Google Calendar set up and it's blocked out. So the, the, there's a block each day, which if I want to do it, is uh-huh. blocked out for writing sure. for me. Sure. So that, that's the one way I do it. And I have alerts pop up on my phone, alerts pop up on the computer yeah. saying, now it's time to write. So provided I haven't got a deadline, I know that I can then go, okay, right. But I also like to do, um, one of my themes this year is self-development. So developing me in certain ways. So I've also got that factored into my calendar and my diaries. So, yeah. Which is massively important, yeah. Mm. Yeah, mm. totally. So just, just coming back to, to, to yourself then and your family, you've you got, you got two daughters, both left home. Yeah. Did you yep. encourage them to follow the passion or did you encourage them to go down that um, academic subject route? They, neither of them is particularly academic. Right. Um, what I said to both of them was, I don't care what you do as mm. long as you do something. Okay. Now, my eldest daughter is very... Um, into drama and musical theatre and kids and teaching Uh and that is exactly what she's done from a very young age 14 maybe 15 she was teaching on a Saturday afternoon at a drama school and she's continued that and is now effectively taking over that particular little drama school and making it her own but she also went on to uni and she did a a degree in in childhood studies and she's now um, an SEN assistant at right. Notre Dame so okay. but she's and then in addition to that she helps run an after-school club so she's very much almost following her passions sure. not quite but almost following almost. her passions yeah my youngest daughter is very I think in, in temperament she's she's probably more like me she goes her own sweet way no matter what anybody says so she went off the rails a bit quite early on dropped out of doing a levels dropped out of doing college work and went to work in um a bar okay but ended up within 18 months being deputy manager of an enormous bar right. in sheffield sure. you know she moved to Leeds and she did various so she kind of she wasn't content just to do it she has to move up yeah. and then she decided she couldn't stand the social unsocial hours anymore and actually went and got another job right. and is kind of working her way up there so she's a bit more driven by the financial aspects than her older sister is yeah they're just different people and i've just always said i'll always be there if you need me but it's your life and you make your lives i'm not going to tell you what to do brilliant brilliant fantastic um you says like coming on to what you were just saying just prior to that he says you all you are passionate about empowering women certainly of a certain Mm -hmm. age to take back control of their lives and start doing work that makes them really happy as well so that you do this yeah um, through an online group called Revival Sanctuary? Yeah, it's not just online anymore. When I joined them, December 2018, it was basically just online. So there's Facebook groups, LinkedIn, etc., etc. Oh, yeah. We now run um, bi-monthly meetings in several different locations in the UK. I run the Sheffield one. Wonderful. And that's been going since last July. Right, right. So I think we're on to... Fourth meeting because I only run them bi monthly. Sure. And they're slightly different from your average networking in that there's full three hours initially, but I have three different speakers drawn from wherever I can within the actual membership group because that has to be a benefit of being a member. Right. And it's pe- each of those three ladies has 20 minutes to 
either talk about their business or talk about themselves or talk about their career development or sure. how they could help people in the group. So we've had some great speakers. I mean, Olga um, Gedani's done it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sue Kerr's done it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get Elaine Mitchell. She will do it one day. So it's, it's all kind of, it ranges from pure kind of business to how these ladies that are in this room can actually develop themselves. And um, I've seen some amazing transformations. That's good. That's what, really one lady good. in particular, I'm not going to name her because it's not fair, but when, she, when I first met her and invited her along to the revival, she'd just started off in business. She, she had no clue what she was doing. She would, would say boo to a goose. And now she'll stand up in a room full of people and she will pitch her business Incredible. and she pitch it really well. Incredible. And it's just lovely to see. Yeah, it is. Major Major maybe that's my next route you see maybe that's yeah. my next route is is more down that helping people to see sure themselves themselves more clearly. their potential yeah i mean that's yeah. that, that that i think that is the number nine numerology and it is to be a guide yeah be guiding a leader yeah, yeah. just taking me a bloody long time if you, t- if you could talk to my mum, I mean, she's, she's past it and she's got Alzheimer's and she doesn't know she's, she's on her last legs, but she always said that I was the bossy leader. <laughs> so she was well, probably right, bless her. <laughs> it just took you a while to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Love, it's been absolutely wonderful to speaking with you. Where, where can people find out more? Um, the easiest thing is to look me up on LinkedIn, to be honest, because uh-huh. that is the platform I use most of the time. So sure. it's... Um, linkedin.com Laura Billingham I think that's it I mean okay. I, I managed to, sure. to claim that one um, or you could try emailing me um, at hello at laurajbillingham.com uh-huh. cool the website which is www.landgassociates.co.uk okay fantastic well what I'll do is we'll, we'll put the links in the description somewhere for the one yeah. that's listening or, or watching this as well so we'll put that on there as well and again oh. Laura it's been absolutely wonderful speaking with you I've had an absolutely yeah, wonderful time nearly, nearly an hour crack almost mind. an hour we've certainly gone through some topics there we've, we've, we've touched on politics yeah. slightly we've touched on the world uh, <laughs> the world as a whole <laughs> like we've, we've, yeah. we've gone through that's business me. we've gone through personal yeah, yeah. Plenty, plenty of scope for you there to get some material out of that, John. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Laura, thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Cool. Lovely. See you soon then, John. Take care, Pat. Bye-bye. Bye.